hungover, baby. I'm hungover. I'm hungover, baby. Hey, Quinn, what you do? Last night you get so fucked up. Drank so many wines, drank the wines all the times. Now I can't get it out of my body. Out of your body. <laughs> <laughs> Questions? <laughs> uh, I, I started I'm recording because I know what the content is. Oh, so true. Um, it's, dear readers, we had a slumber party last night. We it was, did. Carrie kind slept of an over. Anticlimactic slumber party because you guys left so early that Adam and I just hung out. Shout out to Adam. <laughs> Thanks Adam. for hanging out with Gary. I can't. I can't hang out late. It's not a thing. You um, got so serious. No, I because I'm very serious about that. Like, listen. 11, 11.30, max. Max. You're if not going dancing with me at midnight at there's Hall. There's no Honestly, there's no way. Right. So many drugs would have to be involved right. right? for me to stay up that late that it would... I don't recommend it. How nice is it? Do you hear the bird chirping? Uh, hello, spring Sounds of spring. Do you know that Koa, when he sees flowers in the neighborhood, he's like, Mama, signs of spring. Something I have to tell you. Mm. Fifth laughs. What is it? Did you know that I I actually know someone who believes they were possessed by an owl? No. Yeah. Uh, explain. Well, actually, you know them too. Who? <gasps> Are you? Is it you too? That's terrible. <laughs> I am going to kill you now. I am the owl that killed uh, the woman on the staircase, and now I'm going to, you're my next victim, because I hate jokes about me. I heard that joke. I have to give credit where credit is due. On Sibling Rivalry, which is a podcast, but I just followed their Instagram, and it's Bob the Drag Queen and Monet Exchange, and Bob the Drag Queen asked Monet Exchange, and it's so good. It's so fun. That just made me laugh so hard. And I was like, I have to do this to Gwen because she's obsessed with owls. If I have to hear one more fucking thing about owls from you. Oh, stop. <laughs> oh, my God. Do you remember that we did a story about a woman that had um, Munchausen's by proxy and she told everyone that her husband had died who would never existed, I don't think. And then By an owl? Became, and became an owl. And she oh. was like collecting owls. <laughs> I mean, it was one of many reasons to hate her, but... Honestly, and honestly, of all those things, Munchausen's by proxy was, like, last on the list. <laughs> that was the, actually the most relatable thing about her, was her Munchausen's by proxy. Do you want to thank some patrons? Yes, please. Do you want to thank Lexi? Because she's so sexy. Lexi, Lexi, you're a lexicon of awesome. We love all the words that describe you because they're fantastic, awesome, energetic, giving, 
generous donating, <laughs> patronizing. Lexi. <laughs> a good one. Thank really you. good. Really powerful. Wow. Thank um, you. Powerful. Wow. What an adjective. Michelle R. <gasps> Michelle R. It's like you have a pirate last name. R. <laughs> <laughs> well, her name begins with R. I didn't include it because I felt like that was too much. But since we have a few Michelles, I thought. Well, yeah. No, Michelle R. It's like very bachelor. It's like Michelle R. Yeah. Michelle T. Michelle M. But you the know? one we're talking about today Michelle is... Arme. Michelle Michelle, are you mad at us? Was that song not good enough? Michelle, are you totally fine with it? <laughs> Next one. Michelle, are you thinking I might feel better later in the day? Um, Let me know. No. <laughs> <laughs> Next. That's it. That's that's. Are we caught up? I think so. Yeah. We don't know when, <laughs> but we want you to know because we can't keep our mouths shut that there's something big going on behind the scenes. That's causing me Stress. huge anxiety. It's huge. causing me, apparently, to drink like a fish. It's a, causing us to feel like, like it feels... We feel so good about it and so afraid about it and so... Childlike wonder mixed with a touch mm, of mm. elderly angst. Okay, that's really interesting. We don't know if we have an announcement or not, <laughs> but we might. We and might. if we do, stand be by because probably we're going to record it and tack it on to the beginning or end of this, which is so weird. Ah. Oh my God. It'll probably be a regular episode that then we're like hey. addendum to episode at the end. Hey, you guys. I would say the beginning. Oh, okay. You sure. Know. You're like, hey. You don't want to surprise attack them? Do it as a commercial? <laughs> <laughs> do it as an ad? <laughs> Wait, that's so good. Should we do it like that? That's so Because then the people that fast forward will just miss it. You should always listen to our ad content. <laughs> <laughs> Let that be a lesson to you. Code TDC10. Speaking of which, and now a word from our sponsors? Well, sure. Well, sure, why not? Maybe a word from us. You'll never know <gasps> You'll unless you nev- listen. Well, it's going to be a word from us anyway because we talk in our sponsored ads. Oh, true. So true. So there's that. Hey, we're back. Or are we? Or are we talking from the past? Because we're super safe with Birdie. <laughs> Birdie, you guys. Birdie envisions a world where women can be safe, where they can uh, walk down the street and just... Uh, do their thing, not really worry about... Uh... Can I tell you something, actually, about Birdie? I was in Chicago with a friend, and she had a really cute purple Birdie. They didn't have that color when I bought mine, or mm-hmm. my mom bought me mine for Christmas. It was this really cute lavender Birdie, and I was like, oh my god, this is incredible. Where'd you get it? She goes, my sister gave it to me. She goes, she had a really scary experience. This guy was fucking following her from the train, her Ugh. sister, and she kept walking, and this guy was still fucking following her. And she went up to this guy who was in her neighborhood who was, like, putting trash out. And she went up to him and she was like, can I please stand by you? There's a man following me. He was like, yes, come this way. After that happened to her, she bought a birdie. And she bought one for her sister. And she bought one for her whole family. That's so smart. Get a birdie for yourself. Get a birdie for your friend. Get a birdie for your daughter. And get a birdie for your son. I think, like, everybody can have a birdie. I carry mine on my bike so that if something happens, I just pull it. So smart. It sets off a strobe light. It has like a really loud noise. It's just going to, even if you never use it, which hopefully you are never going to use it, um, except at a weird 
sound rave or something. But it totally. If, I hope you don't have to use it, but you're going to feel better if you have it. So get one today and use the promo code TDC10. You get 10% off. It's a no-brainer. We love you. Stay safe and um, bye, Birdie. Okay. Moving on Moving to... right along. Footloose and... Oh, copyright. Can't. Oh. <laughs> Are you serious? I really don't think you're right. I, think I just like to I can be, sing whatever I thing. want. There's been stories, there's been horror stories of podcasts who've used songs that were not, you know, public domain. And then they... Then they get, like, they have to go back to their whole catalog, liability, all that shit's bad. Oh, well, sure. If you, like, randomly play, like, a Coldplay song as your opening song. That's true. I I don't think us awkwardly, terribly, in my case, singing <laughs> songs. I, I just don't think they're even recognizable. <laughs> I think... Which, by the way, I have to tell you, I'm curious if this is going to happen. Hmm. I was showing someone our podcast and it was the episode that I had told everybody that I had COVID and Spotify had put a COVID warning on it. Oh, cool. Which is cool that they like listens to code words and it's like, okay, we need to give information here. Carrie has COVID. Carrie has COVID. They were like, listen, don't hang out with Carrie. Actually, don't hang out with Carrie. Don't talk to her. Don't listen to her. She's the worst. You may catch COVID by listening to this podcast. By listening to this podcast. That's how particles travel and that's on science and that's on God. And guess what? Now this episode's going to have a fucking warning, Shit. too. <laughs> <laughs> it's just good. I like the extra blue. It's kind of like a fun little pizzazz. Yeah, people are like, wait, what's going on? Is that a new denim Did look? you? Yeah, did you get a different, like, mm-hmm? Um, I painted my nails clam bake, which is Allison Roman's color. I know clam bake. Obvious. And I asked Adam what he thought of it, and he was like, looks young. Ooh, burn. <laughs> Wait a minute. Should I be offended? I mean, no. The answer is never on Adam's part. No. Spencer, hi. Hi, too. Hi, I just Sven. like to be equal. Hi, Sven. Um, we had... Um, I'm going to away for Sven's birthday tomorrow. I'm going to Eldred um, to the house that Spencer and Adam own in the woods. We call it their wood house. Actually, they call it Fernsmore. Um and Koa calls it their wood house. I love that. And it's the first time I'm going to have been away from Griffin in his lifetime. How long have you been away from Koa in your lifetime, though? Two nights. I went to Eldred when I was pregnant with Griff for two nights. And that's, so you've only been away from Koa two nights, Griffin none nights. Griffin none nights. How's Matt feeling? He says he thinks he's less nervous about it than I am. I don't know if that's true, but that's really nice. He's been really, really, really nice about it, actually, because like I keep having anxiety and being like, and you'll be okay, right? And like I went to Trader Joe's yesterday and bought them all this food. I saw the amount of Trader Joe's here, and it's because you don't, because Matt's not a great. I'm just well, I do want. It's hard to be with both of them and not have help for that long, and like, you know, Griff's home all day, so he really Matt will have like a 90 minute break when there's like a nap time and otherwise he'll be with one or both kids for three days straight, potentially four. I'm going for three nights. <sighs> I don't know. I'm just um, I want everyone to have a good time and everyone to be OK. And I think they will be. And I don't know why I'm reacting this way where I feel a lot of guilt about it. I think there's obvious reasons why you feel guilt about it. I think it's not trying like to a say. big question. Well, I think any mom would feel guilty about taking like I think I think any person would and I think the only way to get through it is to do it. Yeah. Cuz the thing is is like guilt compounds. No, I don't know if it's like interest or anything like that, but I I do think that 
you know, the best way I, I'm, you know, I think you follow your foot, you follow the fear a little bit. And, I mean, follow the fear in a safe way. Like your kids are going to be safe. Your kids are going to feel loved. Your f- kids are going to be well taken care of. It's like you just have to rip the bandaid off and do it. And that's easier said than done. And with that, like the first time you do this is going to come with a lot of feelings. That's totally normal. I don't have kids and I understand that. Like any parent listening would be like, oh, I remember my first time away from my kids. It was really tough. It was really stressful. Mm -hmm. But like you're going to get through it and your kids are going to be okay. And it's only going to make them. I think it's only going to help everyone. Truly. Like you taking some time and doing something for you is going to help you and your mental health. And like you just do something for you is so valuable. And I also think for them, like doing something that can feel scary or different or disorienting, disorientating, like. I think that only like it's going to be okay and they're going to be better for it because then like the next time this happens, it won't be traumatic or, you know, every time like the other thing too, Quinn, you and Matt are full time parents here. I mean, obviously we do our podcast. You have all these other jobs, but it's all from home. Mm -hmm. You very rarely are leaving the amount of time you've spent away from your kids. I mean, I don't it's all relative, Mm -hmm. but like parents spend more time away from their kids than you and Matt ever you know what I mean so it's Mm -hmm. like you spending this weekend away in terms of the grand scheme of things you probably have spent more time with your kids than other people uh yeah we're lucky that we get to do that but I just went on a full monologue all I'm saying is your feelings are valid and it's gonna be okay yeah I I know I yeah I know I hope I'm able to cut loose Listen, my only worry about your hangover today is that you're going to be less hungover this weekend, and that's not what we want. What? (laughs) Didn't follow that logic at all. (laughs) What I mean is I don't want you to cash in your hangovers for the week early on so you can save them for the weekend. But I feel like for you, I'm not worried about that. I'm picturing this weekend being less of a drinking weekend and more of a sweatpants and board games and walks through nature vibes. That's like what I want Wait, from the weekend. that sounds lovely. That's what I want. What does Spen want? It doesn't matter. Spencer, the you heard it boy? here first. It doesn't matter. It, it doesn't, doesn't matter birthday. what he doesn't you know. want and stop being, you know what? You're, you're the birthday, you're the birthday, you're the birthday, what are you gonna boy get or girl. <laughs> um, <laughs> my presence this weekend is his gift. That's it. Mic drop. <laughs> Except I would never drop you, you amazing $60 blue snowball, Mike, from Amazon. We can plug it now. <laughs> Do you think our sound quality is good? No? Well, have we got a brand for you. Blue snowball, $60, Amazon. Try it. Try it. What's you want to start lose? a podcast? Anyone can. <laughs> Clearly. Any idiot can. Just plug in your fucking blue snowball and start talking about. Clearly any idiot can because we are. Okay. We should get to the story because you have to leave it. You're right. Go, go, go. Just tell it really quickly. Okay. Okay. So I'm doing the story. (laughs) I'm doing the story of Diana Bus Driver Hunter. Okay. Bus Driver's her middle name? Bus Driver Hunter. Diana Bus Driver Hunter. That's not her name. I don't think it's. Well, that's what she signed. Okay. So I got this from this information from This American Life, Ranker, The Guardian, The Cut, NBC News, CNN, and NPR, as Can't in Michelle wait. R. So here's the thing. This is taking place in Ciudad Juarez in Mexico. So 
Juarez is a city in Mexico known for being very dangerous. It is Mm. not chill. And being a woman there is a super duper not chill. For decades, for decades, women have gone missing, disappeared, and later found dead with evidence of rape and torture. The first started happening, or the first reported case where they're starting to connect a lot of cases was in 1993. There was a 13-year-old girl. She was kidnapped and later found dead with evidence of rape and strangulation. Every year, the number grows. From 1993 to 2005, 270 women, I'm sorry, from 1993 to 2005, 370 women were killed, were kidnapped, raped, and murdered. That's nuts. In 2010, that year alone, 304 women. Women are not safe. What was happening, it's... What was happening is that these women would go to a work at a nearby factory or at mm-hmm. a factory where, because it's um, a part of the city's or a part of this area's economy are factories to make goods to sell to the U.S. Mm-hmm. So they would get on the bus to go to work, mm-hmm. go missing. They would get on the bus to go home. They'd go missing. They would disappear. Their bodies would be found and sometimes in mass graves Gosh. in the deserts. It's, I mean, it's insane. Yeah. The Ciudad Juarez is was once called the most dangerous city in the world. It also has a history of drug cartel violence. You might ask, what sort of repercussions were happening? What sort of investigations were happening for hundreds of women? Hundreds of women dying. Nothing. The police wouldn't take any action. They wouldn't investigate. Oftentimes they would cover up evidence. First, they were like, nothing to see here. There's nothing happening. Then they started blaming the women for where they were and what they were wearing. And then they just started covering them up. The police. These women had nobody looking out for them. There Mm -hmm. was no advocates for them. The bus drivers were known to be dangerous. Oftentimes, they would sort of double dip and drive buses and also sell drugs. The buses, if you're imagining, are old school, are old U.S. school buses that they've painted. Mm -hmm. So in terms of like... In New York City buses or in city buses, typically there's like seats facing each other. It's just like a little bit more open air. Mm -hmm. But in these school buses, it's like all these people are packed behind. Like there's so much you can't see. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like just in terms of like how it looks, how it feels. So word was spreading like buses aren't a safe place to be. But the thing is, is it was how people made their money. It was how people got to work. It was they had to go on the buses. So these women were just like continuing on in their lives, going on these buses that were horrible places to be. In addition to abduction and murder, there were reports of women getting raped by bus drivers. Horrible. Like I can't like the amount of information I found on this about these bus drivers. It just was like so damning and there was no... They were, the closest they got was, like, two guys were arrested. Mm-hmm. I think they arrested two or three guys. One guy happened to die in jail, but they all were released later. Mm-hmm. There was one guy in 2001 
this guy, Victor Garcia Uribe, who was arrested, him and an accomplice were arrested, and they were accused of murdering eight women and leaving them in a cotton field. And so he was interrogated for hours, and eventually he confessed to participating in not only the eight murders that he was brought in for, but additionally three more. He said he enjoyed killing them, that he was high on weed, cocaine, and booze. He raped, killed them, and threw them in a mass grave. So he admitted to all of this in an interrogation by the police. However, two days later, he recanted it, saying that he was tortured, and that's why he confessed. He was eventually sentenced to 50 years, which is great, which is like, okay, good. Someone is being held accountable. It's great if he did it. Yeah. But then four years later, there was proof that came out that he was, in fact, tortured and he was set free. So literally, there's been no, in all of these murders, in all of these kidnappings, no one's been officially charged and put in jail. Wow. One person who, there's evidence that he was tortured. So there's a conversation. It's like, are the bus drivers guilty? I mean, there is evidence. There are accusations of them raping women on buses. Mm -hmm. But also, like... Is it the police who's covering up all this stuff and our bus driver is the scapegoat? Mm -hmm. Either way, women are not safe. Mm -hmm. At one point, they were talking to a woman and she had said that her sister in in, um, in Juarez was home and someone broke into her house and raped her. When she told her family and her sister, like, you have to go to the police. And she's like, why? They're not going to do anything. Mm -hmm. And, like, you have to go to the police. So she goes to the police and they're like, why didn't you report it earlier? Why didn't you have more bruises? Even though the doctor was like, there is evidence of sexual assault and rape. They were like, <laughs> we're going to say that the police said, why did you come here? We're not going to do anything. <laughs> they might as well have. <laughs> honestly, I appreci- they said the same thing. Honestly, yeah. frankly, I appreciate the, the honesty. Uh, the honesty. Just be it. fucking honest. In fact, when you would go into the police, they would humiliate you and blame you for mm-hmm. what happened. It just it's just really bad. So in the early uh, in the early summer of 2013, there was a demonstration in Juarez to demand the police to release information about the investigations of these missing women mm-hmm. because there's no information. They didn't release any information or there was nothing public of being, about being like, are you investigating this? Are you doing anything? And there's also obviously along this, there's also potential, you know, human trafficking that's happening in the city. So it's just like really fucking bad. So August 28th, 2013, it's been 20 years after the first assault of the 13-year-old girl that they Mm -hmm. started sort of tallying these disappearing women. Right. In Juarez at 7.45 in the morning on a bus, this woman gets on. She's wearing, um, she's either a blonde wig or her hair is dyed blonde, but she goes in, she like goes to her purse to get her bus fare. She pulls out a gun and she shoots the driver. What? Yeah. Regret looking at your phone now. So anyway, so this woman comes in. She shoots the driver. The driver's name is Jose Roberto Flores Carrera. He has not been a con- uh, he's not been accused. He's not. There's no evidence that he's done anything. Just a bus driver, he's just right? a bus driver. But she goes in. She shoots him. He realizes what's happening. He runs away. She shoots him again. He dies on the sidewalk. He's dead. She runs away. People see her. They see that she had this blonde wig or blonde dyed hair. They see that she was wearing a cap, a plaid shirt, and jeans. But nobody could say where she went. It, like, all happened fast. And what was crazy is she has this blonde hair, which is, like, pretty noteworthy. And that's basically all people know about her. It's like she did this thing where she had this, like, blonde hair that made it obvious that she had blonde hair. But that was, like, the main identifying factor. And it's a wig, so. It's a wig or dyed blonde and whatever. But, Mm -hmm. like, 
So then the next day, 24 hours later, on the same route. <laughs> it's an alarm that says watercrass. <laughs> I, my phone's on do not disturb, but the alarm comes through still. That's Sorry. fair. Oh my God, you're fine. So, okay, so she, so she, the same bus route, a woman gets in, she reaches into her purse to get bus fare. She whispers something to the driver. Witnesses here. You all think you are so tough. She pulls out a gun and she shoots Freddie Zorante Morales two times in the head. He dies immediately. She skedaddles. Nobody knows where she is. Wow. She's just shooting bus drivers. Yes. Two days in a row. That's uh, The next day, a publication, a website, receives an email that says... You think that because we are women, we are weak. And that may be true, but only up to a point. Because even though we have nobody to defend us and we have to work long hours until late into the night to earn a living for our families, we can no longer be silent in the face of these acts that enrage us. We are victims of sexual violence from bus drivers working the McKeelan night strips here in Juarez. And although a lot of people know about the things we've suffered, nobody defends us, nor does anything to protect us. That's why I am an instrument that will take revenge for many women. For we are seen as weak, but in reality, we are not. We are brave. And if we don't get respect, we will earn that respect with our own hands. We, the women of Juarez, are strong. Signed, Diana, hunter of bus drivers. The Diana, next... I get it. I, I do. get it. I, I get it. there's some flawed logic happening where... Unless you know more about these guys that we don't, it seems like she's willy-nilly just selecting bus drivers. Yeah, at the same time. Problematic. It's very problematic, but it gets results. What happens? Crime dips. Really? Yeah, so the next They're day. They're like, we'll stop, we'll stop. <laughs> They're like, oh, shit. The next day, there's like 30 bus drivers that like manage these routes. The next day, half of them are like, I'm not coming to work. I'm not coming to work. Just Yeah, I was going to say, there's no... Crime dips, and so because, do bus rides. And it's interesting, though, and I think it's worth noting, because that would affect the local economy, bringing people to the factory and all that stuff, the police spring into fucking action, not on behalf of the women. The police start going as plainclothes cops to protect the men. To protect the fucking men. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And also, frankly, to protect the dollar. Like, I really do believe because the bus drivers are like, we're not going we're not doing it and it would affect like the economy and people getting to and from work to make money and do these jobs. Mm -hmm. I think that's why, like, I think these women were seen as expendable Mm -hmm. and they didn't affect it. And because women needed the job to support their family, they couldn't stop going to work, go on strike. Mm. Their lives were always in danger. So there was a reporter who talked about it and interviewed women And how, you know, so at some point they were like, how do you feel? And some of the things that the women were saying were like this. They were like, I have no opinion. I don't want to talk about it. I have no opinion. Okay. So there's like one, a kind of person that avoids it and is like, I don't want to speak to this. I'm out. Someone said, great. Someone did something finally. Someone goes, I should have done that. If I ran into her on the street, I would congratulate her. Some women said it made them laugh how scared the bus drivers were now. So interesting. Diana, the bus driver hunter, was the primary investigation for the police. Bus drivers had pictures of her sketch 
on their dashboard, like constantly afraid and constantly looking over their shoulder how afraid they were. And there is this like, again, this energy of like, that's exactly how the women felt for 20 years. Mm-hmm. Constantly looking over their shoulder, constantly afraid someone was going to attack them, constantly afraid they were going to lose their lives. Two yes. bus drivers were murdered in cold blood, and we don't know that they did anything. That is true. Of course. Of course. It's there are so people, complicated. It's so complicated. It's not the way you get results. You can't you just can't go, go vigilante. No, you can't. At the same time, like it's very this sad. happened and this and this conversation and this letter and this sort of like insane thing that happened brought the conversation to the world because it was this like mystery. It was this vigilante justice. And now people know about what was happening in Juarez. Like I said, because of the blonde disguise and that being the most identifying factor, they can't find her. Mm-hmm. There are 20 eyewitnesses. So they have a sketch. Um, they think she was in her middle ages and like her in her 50s. Um, I also think that it's similar to some of the other vigilante cases that we see where people see her and maybe women saw who it was mm-hmm. and are like, I'm not saying shit. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to get have her be punished and these men who've abducted and killed women not be. Mm-hmm. So Diana has not been spotted since. Wow. And there's no evidence that the email that was sent actually came from this woman. But Diana the hunter is a is a goddess, is a Roman goddess. Oh, right. And she's the goddess of wild animals, the hunt, the moon, female fertility, women and children. Wow. And there's a statue of her in Mexico City. And there's a replica of the statue in front of a restaurant in Juarez. So people also, just a side note, people also think that Wonder Woman is based on this goddess because Wonder Woman's name in civilian life is Diana Prince. Mm. So Diane, Diana that way, Diana the goddess, the hunter. There was a, this American Life article that I read, there was a woman that walked on the bus and the bus driver goes, what, are you Diana the hunter? And she goes, no, of course not. What, are you afraid of me now? And he goes, well, yeah, shouldn't I be? After this incident, like I said, there was a dip in crime for a few years. The crime rate genuinely dropped Mm -hmm. after these murders. And then it started to rise again. And as of 2017, there were 84 homicides. And Diana, the bus driver hunter, her identity is still unknown. My question is, is again, it's not an eye for an eye vibes, but I do wonder, like, how many people she saved? Oh, God. This is like that. It reminds me of that. It's like a psych class question about the train. and The trolley, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Doesn't it remind you of that? Totally. What is that? It's like there's a person. There's one person on the tracks or something. And then there's a wall on the other. So it's like it'll kill the tr- the people in the trolley and it'll kill the people on the way. Like there's two. You're just like, who do you kill? But physically you have to do this. Like it's, I think it was like physically um, you have to push a person in front of a trolley. So can you do that and kill a person if you know it'll save all the people in the trolley? Or passively, if you don't do anything, all the people in the trolley die. But it wasn't like your hand that did it. I think it's something like that. Ooh, you know I what I mean? That. I hate that. So, I'm like, but option it's that vibe three? Of like, yeah, no, I know. It's like <laughs> the most impossible question. Um, I mean, we know what Diana would do. These women were helpless. Like, they didn't, they were getting murdered. Mm-hmm. They were getting abducted on the way to work, on the way home, in the bus. It was like, 
how and the fact that like the police showed up in plain clothes to protect the bus drivers when that option could have been done for 20 years, prior. years yeah and then the start women. and totally. blaming women like just like Wild. the actual culture of like or the who was being protected in that way oh, and yeah. the women were never up for consideration and i love her i mean listen i love her note her note rules it's like you think we're fucking weak we're not we're not as weak as you think. we have to go to work yeah, to earn I'm money for gonna, our families i'm not so gonna, tricky because you yeah. can't put her on a pedestal she's no. a murderer and she we don't know what these guys' lives were like. They could have left behind, you know, families. It's through, could, I mean, it, ay, 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 ay. But at the same time, that letter was undeniably badass. It's tricky. It's really, well, I think any type of vigilante story. justice is tricky. Is a very tricky sort of precarious Gives you situation. so many feelings. Yeah. And I think, you know, I think that's why you have to put it within context of like what world they lived in mm-hmm. and what world and like, I mean, the idea that, the idea that in a year, in a city, over 300 women were killed in a year, mm-hmm. that's almost one a day, if you can do the math, right. which, Quinn, I know you can't. I cannot. Co can. Co can. Co is really smart, you guys. Did you want me to brag about him on the podcast? <laughs> no, a little? you don't you have to brag about him. You guys, last night we were in bed. I was putting him to bed. And he was like, I want to play a game. I was like, all right, what's game? He's like, let's do math. I go, okay. He goes, what's 1717s? And for those who don't know, that's 17 times 17. And I like pulled out my calculator to double check my work. And he's like, no, no calculator. And I was like, okay, okay. And then he taught me how to do it. And I now can do it. I feel really good about it, actually. It's nuts. 289, baby. So cute. 289. Love that baby. He's, he's really funny. I know. Anyway, that moral of the story is, how do you guys feel about Diana bus driver hunter. Do you feel like she was justified in her actions? Do you feel like did the ends justify the means? Did who's I mean, honestly, at the end of the day, too, it's like the police have all this to be answered for. You know what I mean? Like yeah. all of this is the police, too. You don't want our dear readers to have to answer for it. it seems yeah. like you really put them on the spot. There. I just wanted to see what they thought. Yeah. Just checking in. We I'm know that you're in. just doing dishes and this is a lot. What we've asked of you just now. I but... hope their mouths are agape. <laughs> We, we know your mouths are agape and agog and aghast. And a jar. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's, anyway. Uh, well, let's do another story. Or a word from our sponsors, if we have them listen, at this point. That's, I don't think we do. pretty optimistic that you say that. When you listen to our podcast, do you sometimes find yourself clenching your jaw? Do me a favor. Give it like a nice, relaxing massage the jaw right now. Like use this opportunity to do so because I know when I'm stressed, I clamp my jaw and I've actually had locked jaw where like Mm -hmm. it's locked and it's the scariest thing. And so I'm really excited to be promoting this company, Smile Brilliant, where they help with night guards. Matt and Koa both grind their teeth. It wakes me up when I sleep with them. And it doesn't just wake me up because it's loud. It wakes me up because I'm stressed out that they're damaging their teeth. If you grind your teeth or you clench them, you're doing damage to the enamel. You're inviting infections and cavities. Did you know teeth do not regrow? So after you grind through a part of them, like that's it. That's that's all the teeth you get, friend. If you grind or clench your teeth, just go over to smilebrilliant.com. They have custom fitted night guards and using their lab direct process at a fraction of the price charged by dentists. So let's just get it taken care of today. It's a no brainer. 
Go to smilebrilliant.com right this minute. Use the code TDC for 20% off. And you know what? Sweet dreams. We know you're here because you like listening to people tell stories. We have something super exciting to share with you. It is not a podcast. It is a musical novella called Love in Times of War. It's a beautiful story set to music. It is a 28-cut concept album with 14 spoken word narrations and 14 instrumentals that complement and evolve the story And you can listen to it on Spotify. You can listen to it on Apple Music. You can buy the album. It is written and narrated by Beck Norman. The music is composed by James Keith Norman. It's a story of a pregnant young woman who's lost her lover in a war. And she sets out to raise her child until history repeats itself. It's engaging. It's impactful. It's also featuring Stephen Fry, which is pretty darn cool. But please go listen to Love in Times of War. It's a beautiful story set to gorgeous music, and you won't regret it. (laughs) I feel good about that. Yeah, me too. That was really, really good. Um, Really? Yeah, it was. No doubt. No joke. Well, that wasn't no doubt. That was vitamin C. Anyway, (laughs) bam, she's on fire. She's on fire. Okay. Your turn. (laughs) Oh, shit. (laughs) I got my information from Daily Mail, Wikipedia, Biography, Insider, and most importantly and most helpfully, an article in GQ by Peter Savidnik. Savidnik? Savidnik. Mm Mm-hmm. And I'm... Double down. Yeah, I'm going to double down. Double down. Um, Thanks, Peter. So, this story is wild. As wild as mine. All right, you know what? We'll check in at the end and we'll see what you think. You feel confident. Let's start at the beginning and not the end. It's February 2002. 19-year-old Maria Vericheva. We're in Moscow. Okay, so the names are going to get. Jesus, I'm so sorry, but it must be told. Maria... Verecheva has just had a fight with her boyfriend, who's also her baby daddy. She's Mm -hmm. three months pregnant. So she's walking the streets, crying, bummed out. And she's near this park and a guy walks up to her and is like, are you okay?" And he checks in with her and says, do you want to go for like a little walk in the park and talk? Don't do it. Right. She does. While they go on the walk, he tells her his name and where he lives because they're getting to know each other. And she's like, oh, I actually live pretty close to you. And I think that makes her feel more bonded to him, maybe more trusting. They happen to walk by an open sewage well and she kind of looks in its direction. And as she does, she feels this guy grab her by (gasps) the hair, knock her down and start smashing her head into the iron cover that goes on top of that sewage well. No. And the way he is, she knows the way he's going at her, like, this is it. He's going to kill me. She takes the only chance available to her to save herself and her baby. And she fucking rolls into the well, which is not casual. We're talking like a 25, 30 foot drop. The man leaves, assuming she's dead. 
but she manages to avoid drowning and fucking climb her way up and move a manhole cover that's been put on top and scream till somebody comes and helps her. They take her to the hospital. Oh my God. Can you believe? No. She survives. The baby survives. Oh my God. Falling into this. So crazy. So she goes to the hospital and she's like, this guy that attacked me, this is his name and this is his address. And the cop's like, let's not go crazy here. It's five o'clock. I'd love to get home. I think what matters is that you're safe. And she's like, no. He's like, do you have papers to be here in Moscow? And she's like, I don't. And he's like, yeah. So we're not going to like do a whole report that would put, you know, you're going to get in trouble. Let's, you don't know, call your boyfriend. Tell him you fell in a fucking. No. Yeah. And then we'll just, we'll all go home. It'll be good. We'll watch the television. It's fine. Everything <sighs> after this falls to shit for her. No because shit. Because that, oh, I, okay. I do want to tell you, just so you'll rest easy in the moment, that this guy later goes to jail for incompetence. Like, he gets in trouble for this, for sure. Okay, good. But she, like I said, she's illegally there in Moscow. She's not going to go back to the cops for that reason. Her boyfriend ends up leaving her. She has this baby. She doesn't have the means to take care of the baby. She puts the baby up for adoption. Later, she's in some shop in town, and she fucking sees the guy that no. attacked her. No. But, she, like, obviously she's learned going to the police is garbage, so she just runs for her life. And not only that, but she runs home and, like, moves. Because she like, uses, like, all the money she has to just move, because basically she's like, I don't know if he followed me. She's scared that this guy is like, I'm going to finish this job. Right. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I know. So then in 2006, four years after that happened to her, she's approached by the police. And they're like, hey, can you help us with an investigation into a serial killer? We think you met him one night in the park. The audacity. The fucking audacity. So let's talk. Because the amount of people that he's probably killed since... He attacked her. That would have... She knew exactly where he was. Mm-hmm. That incompetence killed women. Jesus. Wow. I hate that theme for this episode. I hate that that's the theme. Okay. Well, I'm sorry, but it is. So let's talk about the guy that pushed her. His name is Alexander Yuryevich Puchis... Fucking what? I don't... His name Puchushkin. doesn't deserve your fucking effort. Alexander Yury... Just the murderer. Puchishkin. Puchishkin? So that sounds check off, right? So this guy grew up near Bitsa Park, the park that he attacked her. And Bitsa Park is also one of those things that I've seen it named two different things. And I think it's like Chekhov where everybody has six names and it's very confusing. Mm, mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. you de- definitely like Alexander's mom in interviews calls him Sasha. And you're like, that doesn't seem like it would be a nickname I think for Alexander. Alexander. is a Sasha nickname. Is okay. Sasha nickname? No fucking idea, if I'm honest. Obviously. Obviously. I'm here to be honest and tell you. Yeah. Be yeah. honest and tell you to be honest. What freaks me out about Alexander's story is that I was reading that he grew up and everyone was like, he's a really good kid, really sweet, really social. And then one day he's on a swing and he falls off and bam, slams the back of his head into the ground. And 
they said that he suffered frontal cortex damage and that your frontal cortex is where you like impulse regulation is housed there and aggression is housed there. So it was like this normal kid that hit his head. No. How scary is that? That's fucking if terrifying. If you were a mom and you were listening to this podcast, you are, your heart just skipped a beat. Wait, because who hasn't old? had their kid fall off a fucking swing? <laughs> how old was he when this fell happened? I don't know. He was a little kid. <gasps> but after that, he started acting different and he started getting in trouble at school and kids are bullying him. And Is it kind of the same thing of like, CTE like traumatic brain and like like I think so um like um football players is that something that affects them I would assume frontal yeah exactly um and in school kids call him like the r word and stuff or I guess they would call him a different word because it's in Moscow but they make fun of him <laughs> it's russian they yeah. make fun of him and he Aww. gets really angry um and he ends up being put in a special school for, like, kids with learning differences. But his grandpa is like, this is holding him back. He's really close to his grandpa. And he's like, this kid is really smart. Um, I I think that being at this school is holding him back. So I'm going to take him under my wing and teach him things. And one of the things he teaches him is chess. Mm-hmm. And he'll take him to, like, the park <clears throat> that they live by to play with the old men in the park, which is a very New York thing, too, right? Right, 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 right. And you get such a visual of that, of, like, him playing with these old men and beating them at chess. The other hobby that Alexander picks up at this time is, as he gets older and he's, like, a teenager is terrorizing children. And when I say terrorizing them, there's, like, no other word for it. He basically videotapes himself scaring kids and then watches the videotapes later to feel powerful and good about himself. Oh, my God. This is just, like, oh, God. It's all so dark. Yes. So... In July of 1992, he's 18 years old, and this is the first time he's going to commit a murder. He tells his friend, Mikhail, I think we should do a bunch of murders together. Let's do like 64 murders, because that's the number of... Well, he loves squares, and eight squared is 64. It's the number of squares on a chessboard is 64. So he's like, let's do 64 murders. And Mikhail's like, totally, let's definitely do a bunch of murders. And then they have a meeting about the murders. And I think at the meeting, it becomes really clear that Mikhail was like, wait. You're serious? Yeah. And he's like, oh, not only am I serious, but I'm, you know what? If you can't hack it, then I'm going to hack you. You'll be the first. And he kills his friend. He takes out a hammer and hits him 20 times in the head. And throws his body in the sewers and then goes home. Since he doesn't, you know, know what he's doing. That's like sociopathic behavior. Oh, my God. Listen, it's the tip of the iceberg with this guy. So. Wow. They find the body really quickly in like short order in the sewer. And they're like, everyone's like, oh, that guy was last seen with his friend Alexander on a walk. But they can't find any evidence that this kid did it. So nothing really happens. They like bring him in, question him, he gets set free. He gets a crush on this girl, Olga, from his neighborhood. Oh, and when he hits on her, she's like, um, I'm already seeing your friend Sergey. And he's like, okay. So he throws Sergey out a window and kills him. Oh, wow. But that was ruled a suicide by defenestration. Here's the thing. 
Wait, suicide by defenestration. What's defenestration? Fall by falling out a window. Wow, that's a word I didn't know. Really? Defenestration? Never. It's a wild word, isn't it? It's a great word for a horrible thing. Yeah, it's definitely like one of those calendars. Defenestration. Like, Like, what is the like? Defenestration out the window. Wow. Um, I saw that listed as like a not confirmed kill on some things, Mm -hmm. but I did read that story and it didn't seem a bridge too far from what we know of Alexander. Um, I think he did it. In 92, the year that this is all happening, there's a serial killer that he really looks up to and the serial killer gets the death penalty. So he's looked up to this serial killer and kind of watched him in the news, then sees him get the death penalty and is like, ooh, like I want to be this guy, but I also totally don't want to die. Love to be alive. Yeah. So it's ironic the guy loves life, but also puts an end to so many. Yeah. Yep. Mm -hmm. Isn't that awful? Well, there's some weird uh, egoism going on there. Totally. In 94, that serial killer gets put to death. And then in 96, they rule they're not going to do the death penalty anymore in Russia. Right. We still don't have that in America, but let's move on. Right. Alexander is like, wait, you're not going to put death on the table anymore? Oh, no. I'm going to start bodybuilding. And he starts fucking, like, training to become a serial killer. He has 62 kills to go to fill his board. Oh, shit. So at the age of 27, there's a long break, and then at the age of 27, he starts killing again. In May of 2001, in the park, he's playing chess with a 52-year-old man, Yevgeny Pronin, and the game ends, and they're like, let's go on a walk. And Alexander's like, oh, it's the anniversary of the death of my dog, who I love so much. Let's go see his grave. And uses that as kind of an excuse to go a little more off the beaten path in the park. He gets him alone, and he's like, let's have some vodka. Gives him vodka. They do a toast for this dead dog that I don't know if the dog is real or imagined. But then he hits him in the head with the vodka bottle. Till he dies and throws his body in a well and leaves. This is going to be his, what do you call it? Modus operandi. So that is going to be his pattern. He's going to pick on elderly people, homeless people in the park. He's going to offer them vodka before he kills them. And then he's going to beat them to death with an object, a wrench, a hammer, a bottle, and then throw the body in the sewers. Oh, Jesus. One thing that happens is that because he's picking on this vulnerable class of people. Well, let's say the similarities. It's like, you know, by picking on vulnerable populations, you're not going to get, there's not going to be a ton of action or like repercussions. Exactly. But there's also not going to be a bunch of articles in the paper about you. And if you're this guy and your ego is the size of Moscow, you're like, why isn't anybody talking about me? I'm a serial killer. So after 13 years, he's like, I've been doing this forever. Nobody's even fucking talking about it. I'm barely famous. So he's like, I'm going to start just leaving bodies sometimes in plain fucking sight and he'll just kill people and leave them as they are. And he also sort of ups the ante at this point, which you see, I guess, in serial killers, like aspects of. um, It gets more. They escalate. Yeah. They keep chasing the high. He does this horrible thing where he like shoves the vodka bottle like into their skull after killing them. Oh, my God. 
Oh my God. Like via a wound. He also does this thing where he starts to really like to get to know his victims as well as he can before killing them. Like that becomes part of his high. So they're going on walks and he's like really trying to talk to them about the world and life and deeper questions before he murders them. Oh my God. One of his victims who's really drunk, probably an alcoholic, he says, um, if you were granted one wish, what would it be? And the guy told him to stop drinking. And he said to the guy, I promise you, today will be the day you stop drinking before he killed him. So oh, the ego on this guy. He's throwing the bodies, like I said, into sewers. And some of them end up at a wastewater treatment center that's a few miles away. Some of them just end up floating through this network of tunnels underground. But a lot of them aren't even ever found. Bitsa or Bisevsky is the name of the park that he's in. I'm not sure I saw both. It is not until, this is so wild, you're going to not believe this. It's not until the 41st victim that they're like, hey, I think there's a serial killer in Moscow. But they have to find so many people before they think that. It takes way, way too long. And you know what was the thing that like made them really look? What? A 63-year-old ex-cop got killed. Fuck off. So it's one of them. It's Fuck so off. much like your story Fuck that you just off. told, right? Fuck off. Can you believe? And then they're like, wait. Of course I can believe. One because of ours died? Let's look into this. Fuck off. It's like every time. It's every time this happens. I know. It's like it only affects you when it's close to home. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. <gasps> Speaking of close to home, this is so crazy, but we're going to talk about his last two kills. Mm-hmm. Larissa Kuligina worked with him at a supermarket that he's a clerk at. And towards the end of a shift, he starts kind of like joking around with her. He's like, do you want to have a cigarette? Let's go on a walk. And they go on a walk in that park. And they're talking about, like I said, really intimate things. Um, and they're smoking. And they get alone. Mm-hmm. And you got to keep in mind at that point, because these are the last two, people know that there's a serial killer and that they're operating in this park. She probably feels safe because she's with her friend, right? Oh, Jesus. But Alexander tells this story of killing her where he says there was a moment where we were alone and my face must have changed or something. She saw something in me and she knew and she realized and she just stopped walking, started crying, like crumpled to the ground. And she was like, are you going to kill me? And he was like. Yes. After killing this woman he works with, his next victim is another woman he works with at the grocery store. No, I So can't. he's just lost all reason as far as, like, keeping it separate from his life. Like, he's just... The... Wow. The way it has escalated is such that you're like, did you want to get caught? Did you think you couldn't be caught because right. you killed so many people right. at this right, point? Right, right, right. In June of 2006, he goes on a walk with Marina Muscaliova. Again, she works with him. She says to him, I just need to leave a note for my son. I'm going to tell him I'm going on a walk with you. He knows that she wrote that note and has a thing in his head that's like, probably can't kill her. She just wrote this note that says she's on a walk with me, but he does kill her. When they find her body... They also go and look at footage from the metro and they see 
them walking together in the metro and they have the note. So they arrest him. They go into his house and they find oh my god a chessboard in it with dates on each square. And I think it's up to 61 or 62 or something of the chessboard. So the press who had been calling him the Bitsevsky Park maniac starts to call him the chessboard killer. And they do this thing in Russia where they film him and they're like, walk us through these crimes. And which We is saw that in a TTC last is like they so do that and then they, they do that release there. it. Yes. Yeah. Why so, do they do that? Uh, it doesn't it feels seem like great. it's almost like he because you know perpetuates. he loves it. He loves it, but also I feel like perpetuating like the gruesome. I mean, listen, we're in a podcast where we also repeat the gruesome details, but having that per it that just feels, especially because it's the person that ugh. yeah. So he's walking them through all these murders he committed and the details he can remember, and he's telling them things like, well, you know, some of them I would kind of make sure they weren't dead. I'd just hit them till they were really unconscious and then push them in, and the fall would probably be what killed them or drowning in the sewer system would be what killed them and so they're like maybe there was some victims that are alive right and that's how they found well so that maria yeah she obviously was a survivor i think that there were three survivors wow one was a 13 year old boy Named Mikhail Lobov. And so he had like no, like, it didn't matter who it was. It started, like I said, mostly older men, mostly homeless. Then it became like women and whoever. It just became. Wow. Whoever he felt like opportunity. He met this kid and was like, do you want to smoke? And they went on a walk and he hits him in the head and throws him in the well. But the kid's jacket got snagged so he didn't fall. So he was able to climb out. He ran to the police and he was like, this happened to me. And they were like, go home. Like this kid off the streets, he's like a punk. And they were like, just get out of here. So he starts hanging by the park again and sees Alexander at the park and tries again to go to the cops. Like runs to them. is like, this guy is walking around. He's going to kill people. They do nothing. Jesus. In his trial... One of the things he said about getting to know his victims was the closer a person is to you and the better you know them, the more pleasurable it is to kill them. He said that when he killed people, he felt like God, that he was the person that got to decide if somebody lived or died. And he said, in all cases, I killed for only one reason. I killed in order to live because when you kill, you want to live. For me, life without murder is like life without food for you. I felt like the father of all these people since it was me who opened the door for them to another world. At the time he was a, a killer, he was living just a few blocks from the park with his mother. And he would go home from killing somebody, like rush a kill, go home shower so that he didn't miss the TV show they watched together at night. When his mom found out it was him, she was so shocked so devastated obviously of course and she said i can't say what i did wrong i just tried to raise him like a normal mother and then she got really emotional and said i think i didn't know my son very well oh god 10 of his victims lived in that same apartment complex that he and his mother lived in no just by i mean by happenstance i'm sure because they were close to the park exactly Jeez Louise. 
On October 24, 2007, he's convicted of 49 murders and three attempted murders. He's like, hey, can you please add 11 to this list? We really need to honor these other people that I killed that you're not talking about. But they... They don't have the evidence. Yeah. They can't. And you're like, it's very unclear, honestly, whether he did kill 11 more. I'm sure that he did. Or whether he's like, I really want to be remembered for this higher number because he's that kind of fucking jackass. Because he's just a fucking egomaniac. Completely. Ugh. But the police are like, to be clear, we don't think this guy was like, when I hit 64, I'm going to retire. Like, there's no chance. This guy was demented. But also, like, escalating and being more public and having it, because it sounds like, you know, ugh, these poor victims. While he's on trial, they, like, house him in a glass cage. Oh, God, like Um, Hannibal style? Totally. They deliberate for three hours. They find him guilty of 48 counts of murder and three counts of attempted murder. After the trial, he gets sentenced to life in prison. And the... They think about reinstating the death penalty for him. Yeah. They don't. 49 murders, three attempted. Like, even if we don't count the 11, like. I mean, this guy killed so many people. They do add a stipulation that they're like, the first 15 years of his sentence, we want him in solitary confinement at this Arctic penile colony called the Polar Owl. Owl. I know. Wow. Weird, right? It's this correctional institute that is. Super remote. It's surrounded by like hills and a, oh my god, and a river. Guess what the river's name is? Death. Sob. S O B. Sob. Son of a bitch. They're then like they're not allowed to talk to each other in the prison. They have to like look down and be cuffed when they get moved places. They get like a ten minute shower once a week. It's very uh, regimented and isolating. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's still not enough though to me. Sorry. I'm going to end with this quote from Peter's article in JQ. In JQ. I'm going to end with this quote. In, I think the letter you're looking for is G, 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 not J. J, 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 G. Thank you. Your letter of the day is G. I'm going to end with this quote. This was in regards to Peter's interview with, this was in regards to a detective, Supernankos, who interviewed uh, Alexander mm-hmm. and this is what Peter had to say in the end the maniac was what his mother and Supreninko said he was ordinary he didn't have strong opinions he lacked preferences or ideas about other people God, art, beauty he could talk about these things and did but these were simply words in the service of killing they were bits of theater they were nothing do you know what is just the worst is that you murder 54 people, or I'm sorry, you murder 62, 61 people, Who whatever, knows how 63, many. how many people, and you're just fucking boring. That's. And you're just bored. You're, you're just, just a, a bore. fucking kid that hit his head on the swings. You're fucking bored. That to me is like maybe the best insult you can give to someone is, wow, you're That's so That's why I read it boring. last because I felt like. That would, it feels like the right fuck you, like a fuck you catered. Because you can say, oh, he's so crazy. He's demented. He's a sociopath. 
I don't think any of that would bother him, but they did like that that quote in GQ felt like the right fuck you. There was nothing interesting about this like there's, person. You're just, you're nothing. You're, you're nothing. Empty. What, what a punishment. I want him to be in a remote tundra cold and i want every day for him to just eat mush that he has to put cold Carrie, water I think in. that is exactly what that's is what happening to him that's so what, you're getting your wish okay good the only good news i have for he you in this very sad deserve. story that's disgusting and i'm and what's what have you heard about maria poor maria i mean she went to trial she testified she told her story that's why we know it i'm glad she was she able to her tell part. her story but Me it's too. like again too little too late because here's the thing he they would listen to maria guess how many people would still be alive they listen to that punk kid they listen to mikhail exactly it's like are you fucking kidding me and because like they weren't a perfect like it's just fucking nauseating she's like here's his address here's his name it's a nightmare it's a nightmare it's absolutely batshit crazy god i hate how connected our stories are i know well guys better luck next week what can i say if there is if there is a next week. All right. We'll see you there. We'll see you there. We'll see you then. We love weeks. We love weeks. We love you. We love you. We love love. love. love.